0: passage that we're going to be in today, I wanted to just share with you a little bit about the man who wrote this letter. In case you don't know, it was written by the the man, the Apostle Paul. He's the man who gives us the most letters in the New Testament, and apart from his disciple Luke, who gives us his Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he wrote most of the New Testament. So those two men together were used by the Spirit to write a majority of what we have in our New Testament. The Apostle Paul, though, was not always the Apostle Paul, right? And not only was he not always the Apostle Paul, it was not always good for him. Like, his life was not rosy after he came to Christ. Before he came to Christ, he was known as Saul. And he actually was a persecutor of the church. He said that I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I was out destroying the people that called themselves the way. Because they weren't Christians yet. And he he would actually hold the coats of the people that were stoning the first Christians. And on his way to persecute a bunch of Christians, Jesus, who had already ascended to heaven, shows up to him in a vision that nobody else can see and converts him into a Christian. And then he is sent away for a while so that he can sort of simmer in the spirit. And Jesus, most likely, through his spirit, disciples him into becoming the Apostle Paul. But after he became the Apostle Paul, it wasn't like his life was rosy. In fact, in one of his letters in Second Corinthians, I'm just giving you a taste of it. It actually talks about how while he was on these, he went on three missionary journeys where his whole goal was to Make disciples and plant churches on three journeys that he went in the known world at that time. And he made disciples like Timothy and Titus, like Demas and some others that we'll see today. And he planted churches in places like Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonica, places like Ephesus, places like Galatia. That's where we get the letters. But guys, on those journeys, as he's making disciples and planting those churches— fairly early, in, it was probably in the middle of his second journey, he'd, this is already what had happened to him for being on mission for Christ. I had been beaten five times with 39 lashes, I had beaten, been beaten three other times with rods, and I had been imprisoned at least one time prior to the time, that, like for a long time, one time it was for two years in Ephesus, prior to... Um, I'm sorry, it was, it was for two years after Ephesus, p- prior to the letter that we're going to see today, that he writes from the last time he is put in prison. So this, last, this is the second time he's going to be in prison, and he knows his execution is imminent. He knows he, has been, he was imprisoned, they let him out under house arrest for a while, and now they've called him back into jail, and he knows that his time is short. And so I, I say that because it's important for us to know that the, the words we're reading are not, are not written by some man who went, man, I came to Jesus and my life was comfortable, right? And yet we look at this man and we go, I, to have the faith of Paul, to be used by God like Paul was. But we don't get that without what I just shared. The reason Paul was who he was is because of what happened to him As he was on mission for Christ. So if you if you want to read, I'm just going to read the whole passage. Actually, part of um, I'm going to read even a part of it that I didn't have you guys read. If I can turn there myself as I talk, I'm like Emma. Apparently, I can't do two things at once. But we're going to spend the next two weeks before we start. We're going to start into Jonah, Lord willing, here pretty soon. But we're going to spend the next two weeks as we launch into our fall season, talking about the mission. That Christ has us on, individually and corporately. And today what we're specifically looking at is the makings and markings of a disciple maker. And there's no better person to look at than Paul for all the reasons I just mentioned. So look at, first, or look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. I've taught on 2 Timothy before, so I'm not gonna spend a lot of time, even as we go through this passage in more detail. Uh, There's so much here. You can go back and listen to those 2 Timothy messages this, if, if you're not reading this present day into this passage, you're missing something, right? This is what has happened to the church today, but I get ahead of myself. Verse 4, And they will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished The race, I have kept the faith, and in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but to all those who love His appearing. That's what you're supposed to read today. I'm going to keep reading. Make now remember this: this is a man who has spent 30 years of his life serving the Lord like no other person in human history. He finds himself at the end of his days chained to a floor. Completely alone. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, who he speaks highly of in some of his other letters, for Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Demaltia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you as he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus was I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Trous with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he is vigorously opposed to our teaching. At my defense, no one supported me. But all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that, though, so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished, and that all the Gentiles, that's us, unless you were born Jewish, might hear, and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring, safe, bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. As do you see what he's saying? Like, like Paul knew in the midst of this difficult time, he knew that he was going to be healed. Right? We pray for healing here. We've seen healing happen, even here during our prayer time. But ultimately, that's not the healing that, that Paul's talking about. And ultimately, if you're in Christ, you're going to be healed. Right? We had a sweet sister who's, whose sister went to be with the Lord a couple days ago. She's in Christ, she's healed. We might pray for healing, and the person might still die. That doesn't necessarily mean, that doesn't mean that they weren't healed. It means if they're in Christ, they were healed perfectly, right? And they're praising the Lord now. But today we're going to ask the question, so we're going to look at, specifically look at this passage asking this question, how is your life marked by your being a disciple maker? In other words, do you have the makings and the markings of a disciple maker based on what Scripture tells us, based on what it looks like? And the path through the passage, we're going to break it up. It's just two points. One is making your life stand for the truth. That's the first four verses that we're going to look at. And then we're going to look at making your um, marked by a life that is living for something bigger. And that's the last four verses we're going to look at. So let's look at the first four verses again, making your life stand for something. So I'm going to read them again, because they're worth it. It says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and in Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. So this is Paul talking to his disciple Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And they will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths. Guys, we are in a war. We are in. A, just so you know. If you don't know it already, and and COVID didn't start the war. And oh, by the way, the war is not against the people that are on your Facebook account or your Twitter feed or your Snapchat, whatever, or Instagram. Your war is not against the national media. The war is not against the Democrats or the Republicans. The war is not against the person sitting next to you. The war is against the enemy, Satan, and it it is a war... That has always been fought for the word of God. Always. How does Satan come to them in the garden? Did God really say that? Flash forward ahead to the book of Judges, God's people. It says that there came a time and God's, he'd given them the law. He'd give Moses, had, that he'd delivered them from Egypt. He'd give them the law. And it says, and everybody started doing what was right in their own eyes and rejected his truth, and it went south for them. King David, a man after God's own heart, right? There's a, there's a time in David's life where it says, David inquired of the Lord, David inquired of the Lord, David inquired of the Lord. And then there's this little turn, and it says, and David said to himself, he rejected the word of God for a season, and it went south for him big time. And then, shortly after, he learns his lesson, and it picks up back again with, and David inquired of the Lord. Guys, the war is between two kingdoms the war is between God's kingdom and, the ki- and this kingdom down here that, that currently Satan rules, he is the ruler of this world. And someday, this kingdom is going to come here to this kingdom, and that kingdom is going to be no more. But until that day comes, we are all in this space, because you are either still in Egypt, like you're still a slave in Egypt, you're, you're not saved, or you have been delivered from that slavery, but, you are st- but we are in this midst of this wilderness wandering. We as New Testament believers have not entered into the promised land. Because the promised land is that kingdom, and it's coming here in real, tangible, physical form, guys. Kids, you're going to get to pray that it comes soon. Young people, join me in praying that it comes soon. Because I bet it won't be 115 degrees and 50% humidity. Like, if for no—I mean, it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be real and physical, and you're going to have— amazing things to do. All of this stuff is just a dress rehearsal for what you will be doing forever. And it's either going to happen here or it's going to happen down there. But it's forever in either place. So make the most of the wilderness wandering. If you get nothing else out of today, make the most out of the wilderness wandering that we're in right now. And that means that we have to be on mission. Guys, that's what the Bible is about. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about the war between two kingdoms. It is God telling his story about how he is going to, by his grace and his power, he is going to restore his kingdom back to what it was that, it, that was lost in the garden in the, first, in the first three chapters, or in the chapter three of Genesis. The rest of this book is about that story. It's what Daniel taught on last week as we wrapped up James. It's it's God's overarching plan of redemption. He's telling his story of how he is going to recreate his kingdom perfectly. It's what Jesus talked about more than anything else. He talked about the kingdom. He starts his ministry with the kingdom of God is at hand, Mark chapter 1. And he ends his ministry in Acts chapter 1 saying, I am teaching you about the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's a huge deal and we have to we have to see our people we have to see ourselves as people who are kingdom people already in some way and i've taught on this a lot already spiritually transferred to this kingdom but physically still stuck down here in this fallen world with this fallen flesh right so so we are in the middle of this already finished but not yet fully accomplished and we did a whole that's what we talked that's what we taught our series on revelation on guys even what we were in in James, those 15 gut punches about how to live this life down here, they were really all about how to live this life down here because we're really supposed to be up here. And it's hard living down here when, when you've already been partially transferred. And that's really what James was talking about. But, but, but know that, that the battle ultimately is about the Word of God. Right? The, the, the prophets of old, guys, even the—think even the, 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 think about this. Elijah, the one of the first prophets of God. What does he come on the scene and say? How long before he calls fire down on, on, on Mount Carmel? If you know the story, it's in First Kings 18. Before what he, he looks at, he looks at God's people. It's him against 400 prophets of Baal, and he says, and he says, and, and um, Brian taught on it a couple weeks ago, and he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? What two opinions is he talking about? God's word or what the world has to say. He's like, how long are you going to waver between these two opinions? If God is your God, follow him. And fire comes down and consumes the offering and the prophets of Baal. Even Hosea, who's one of the later prophets, talks about how my people perish for lack of knowledge. What knowledge? Knowledge of the word of God. John the Baptist the man who Jesus called the greatest prophet who ever lived, he was the forerunner of Christ, his cousin, right? He came on the scene. It says in Mark 1, it says, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching the baptism of repentance and the forgiveness of sin. Because that's the gospel message. And a few verses later, Jesus, his cousin, shows up and says this, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what has happened to the church? Guys, because remember, what we're here to talk about today is how are are we individually and corporately living the mission? What has happened that we have as a church in America, in the West, and, and in the world, how have we gotten to this place? How did we get to this place of just such lukewarm Christianity? And the answer is because we got busy about building our own kingdom. The church got busy building its own kingdom. Pastors got busy building their own kingdoms. And this didn't just happen like during the seeker-sensitive movement of the 80s. This happened like back in the 16, 17, 1800s. Right? We have to get back to the business of seeing his kingdom come, his will be done. Right? This is not about Cornerstone Church. This is, not, this is about seeing his kingdom, and and guys, this this is as close, right now, Sunday gathering is as close to his kingdom as we're going to get down here. That's why we gather. We don't gather and invite other people into this gathering to build our numbers so Cornerstone gets bigger. We invite people in to go, do you want to see what it looks like when God's kingdom people gather? Come see. Come see. Because that will give you a taste of what heaven is going to be like if we're doing it for his glory and not for ours. We also stopped preaching sin and judgment and hell. And we also stopped preaching saved by grace through faith, alone. So we either stopped preaching judgment altogether, or we said, well, well we're, we're going to keep preaching judgment, but, that, but we're also going to preach works. You've got to do some stuff to get saved. And then what that has created in—and I'm not just talking about, like, Catholicism or, or, like, those works-based religions. I'm talking about in the Bible Belt. What the Bible Belt created—that's the South, you know, where everybody went to church all the time, right, up until fairly recently— what the Bible Belt created were a bunch of people that were just moral deists. They looked around and they said, as long as I'm not watching these movies, smoking this stuff, saying those words, I'm in. Because at least I'm better than that dude. And if one of us is going down and one of us is going up, it's got to be me. Right? That's not in here. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And Daniel did a great job of laying that out. Guys, keep your finger. Well, oh, you don't have to keep your finger, though. We won't, we'll be back there in a little bit. Turn to John 14. It is worth seeing why, how, how we got here. Guys, we— we got, we got here because we stopped talking about the truth of who Christ really is and what Christ has really done. He, and it also drives us back to why we got to be in the Word. He is the truth, and in the, in the first, cha- I mean, John, you're in John 14, in the first chapter of John, Right, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The Word, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. And then in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh, the, the incarnate Christ, and walked among us. Now that same Jesus is now talking to his disciples in John 14, and he says this. Don't, he's, he's about to go to the cross. He knows it. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will be also and you know the way I am going. And Thomas looks at him and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? Guys, understand, Thomas is freaking out at this point. Like we read that and go, oh, poor Thomas, you should have had a clue. You sound a lot like Peter there, right? Thomas is freaking out. He's like, well, wait a minute, you're leaving us? But guys, let's be honest. Isn't that a little bit of what we feel like right now? Wait a minute, you left us, Jesus? You, you ascended, and you left us down here in this mess. But one, we know if you keep reading in chapter 14 and chapter 16 of John, did he leave us alone? No, he sent. he says, it's good that I go, because I'm going to send my spirit. So we're not alone, right? But, but why are we living in such fear, right? And, and it was prayed about, it was talked about during the prayer time. Why are we living in such, guys, I, these are just some statistics I looked up on the on the CDC's website. Look, look, check this out. Cases of anxiety issues have jumped 370 percent since January. Cases of depression issues have jumped 394 percent since January. Cases of those considering self-harm are are increasing by 24,000 a month since January. For those 25 years of age and younger, our youth, guys, it breaks my heart like, like the, the damage that is being done right now to the youth in this country because of what's going on, because of what the enemy has created in this country, will not be seen for decades if the Lord tarries. And it is horrendous. We haven't even begun to sniff it yet. And, and, I, I, I'm way behind already, and so I could, I could get off on some just hor- horrible things that are happening to youth in our country right now. But but even just aside from that, just not being able to gather with their friends, not being able to go to school, not being able to play sports, do all those things sound trivial? Sure, but when the alternative is I'm going to sit at home on a device by myself in my house, the enemy is ravaging our youth. And we're the only ones who can stand in the gap. Guys, it's no different for pastors. Do you know that 3,000 pastors a month are resigning their, from their position right now? Over 4,000 churches have closed, and that's just of the ones they know of. A lot of churches, they don't even know if they've closed yet because they haven't actually reopened. So they don't, these are just the ones they know have said, we're out. We can't make it anymore. 4,000 in our country since January. Well, since this whole thing started in March, actually. So why are we living in such fear? It's because we have forgotten what Jesus said in verse 6 Jesus said to Jesus said to Thomas I am the way I am the truth I am the life no one comes to the father except through me He's like fix guys if you want to if you want to deal with the fear and anxiety that you're dealing, that we're all feeling at times. If you want to help others, which is what this really is all about, if you want to help others deal with the fear and anxiety that the world is promoting right now, help them do two things. Get their eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, and get their eyes fixed on other people, meaning helping others. You want to, you want to, make your, you want to realize your life isn't so bad? Go help somebody else. There's always somebody worse off than you. Right? And, and if we see them and engage with them, it helps remind us of that. But it also reminds us of the importance of, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have got to be a people who walk with Jesus in his word. Because otherwise we're just floundering around. Like if all we are is spirit-led and not word-centered, we are the blind leading the blind. Right? The word is very clear. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God to transform the people of God into the image of the Son of God. That the, it's, the Word of God is what the Spirit of God uses. So we have got to be in the Word. And, and if you've been here for any length of time, you know that's true. Like, like you know, we, that's my soapbox. Being in the Word every day, being in the Word every day, being in the Word every day. So to that end, we, we are, and I know your table was full of handouts today, and so... On your table, there are a couple of handouts I'm going to take the time to, to quickly go through. Guys, the thing that made Paul so amazing is that in the midst of all of those struggles that he was in, so first of all, find, find the one that's a full-size sheet of paper, it's got a little colored our little three-colored circles about Connect, Be, and Engage on it. There's a couple of them on your table. You'll just have to share. Some of the words are going to come up on the screen. Um, We have more copies on the Connect table of all of this stuff, so you can just get it there if you you want your own copy. But guys, the thing that made Paul so amazing was that in the midst of all those struggles and trials, he kept his eyes fixed on Christ and on the mission of seeing other people come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what kept him going. That's what kept him motivated. So, you're going to hear more about these first few things next week, but I'm just going to fly through them quickly. The mission of Cornerstone Church is to reveal the glory of God through relationship. Relationship this way and relationship this way. You'll hear more about that next week. The vision, how do we accomplish that as a church? As a family, how do we accomplish that? It's not too hard. Jesus told us, the Great Commission, or the Great Commandment the Great Commission, love God, love people, make disciples. That's it. We didn't invent that. Jesus made it up. Jesus made it up. Love God. Be connected to Christ. Or sorry, connect to Christ. Love people, be in community. Make disciples, engage in the call. Our values. We believe God's primary way that he does this, that he fulfills the mission and helps us achieve loving God, loving people, making disciples is first and foremost the word of God and second the church. The church is not just an organization. And you're going to hear, again, you'll hear more about this part next week. The church is a supernatural spirit-connected entity. Guys, there's something that happens here in this gathering that cannot happen outside of the gathering of God's people. It can't. It can't. You cannot... Fully fulfill the mission Christ has called us to without being connected to a body of believers. It's just it's in the Bible. You can talk to me about it later, but we're gonna to turn to scripture because it's there. And we all know people who right now who are professing faith in Christ, and, and 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 if you said, so where are you connected to a gathering of people so that you can use your giftedness to engage in the mission? They would say, Yeah, I'm not into church, I don't do church. And I would tell them this, don't tell me you love Jesus and hate his bride. Right, don't tell me you like me and hate Carrie. Those two things don't work. And that's what the Bible is showing us. So along those lines, we have our commitment as a calling so what, what do we believe like a fully developed Christian looks like? Well, we believe that they have a lifestyle of these five things, worshiping, being in relationship, serving, giving, and sharing. And you can read more about that. I'm not going to insult your intelligence by reading it all to you. And as leaders, what we have come to believe, we've had some le- great leadership meetings over the last few months, even during the COVID stuff. And what we believe is our, we have two, we, our role as leaders, I'm talking about the elders, the deacons, ministry leaders, etc. Our role is to create environments, places, spaces, and not just physical spaces, but, but even just like things like time in the word, etc., where the Spirit can work on people, and then, give, and then live examples, like be living examples of what it looks like. That's our job as leaders, right? So how do we do that? Like what's, what's our goal? And Daniel did a really good job last week of laying out for the, for the fall season, what we're going to do is we're going to walk with, we, here's what we believe. To be on mission for Christ, we have to walk with Christ. What better place to walk with Christ than in one of the Gospels? And since we already did the Gospel of John a couple years ago, and a couple years before that we did the Gospel of Mark, I just said, let's do the Gospel of Matthew. So what I did was I took the Gospel of Matthew, and these are on your table as well. I think there's four of them on each table. We've got more on the back. we, We have these called D groups. D is just for discipleship. Discipleship groups. D groups is just easier to say. And all I did was take the Gospel of Matthew, and I divided it up into 60 readings. So you have five readings a week. I also added for those of us that are like me that don't that like having a day off completely messes me up because I, I I'm such a rhythmic person. I need that rhythm of life so I added a psalm on a Saturday if you want to do it. And then I added what we're going to be teaching through Lord willing on Sundays through Jonah and 1 Thessalonians. But but the bulk of this little brochure, this little this is this is our curriculum for the fall season from now through December. And it's the Gospel of Matthew. So what are we doing? We're, we want to be a people that walk with Christ. We want to see what he did. How better to see what he did than in one of the Gospels. So we're just going to read a little bit of each Gospel every day. Or of, of Ma- um, a little bit of the Gospel of Matthew every day. Sometimes it's 20 verses. Sometimes it's one. Like one verse for your daily reading that day. Right? And then you're just going to meditate on it. You're going to respond to it, and then you're going to share it. And here's the beauty of it. If we're all doing this, if Josh has his, um, uh, whatever, your, your young adults group on Mondays, that there's a group of young people that meet at his house on Mondays, if, if they're doing it, and, and my family's doing it, and oh, by the way, my daughters are in his group. As a dad, I don't have to reinvent something to talk about for my family devotionals. You know what we're going to talk about? The Gospel of Matthew. Because I'm reading it, and they're reading it. Oh, by the way, your neighbor who is unsaved, invite— take. even if you took one of these last week, take one this week and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be reading through the Gospel of Matthew this, this, the next few months. Would you like to read along with me in this? Coworkers, classmates, the idea is that we're all having the same conversation. Does that, and, it's, and it's about Jesus. It's not about Jesus and helping me parent better. Not a bad thing. We've done those things. I encourage those things. Nobody's saying don't do those things during this time. Like, if, you, if a group of people want to get together and do a parenting, a parenting time through Trip's parenting book, or I'm all for that, but don't do it instead of this. I'm asking. You have freedom in the whole—if you, you are free in Christ, you are free indeed. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm asking you, though, be a part of the conversation. Be a part of our family's conversation. And, and together, because imagine what you can do. You come in here on Sunday or, you, or you're talking to somebody on the phone during the week or, and, you, and you can just say, hey man, t- today I was reading Matthew 5 and, and here's what really hit me. And they're like, oh, that's so totally cool. I read that yesterday and here's how it hit me. And now you're having a conversation about Jesus and the truth of God's word. And watch and see what the Holy Spirit does. Guys, what we decided when we decided to regather, right, when, or when we were allowed to regather on Pentecost, we just said, our, here was our, we knew what we wanted to be about. We wanted to be about, I taught on it, on Acts chapter 2, we wanted to be about the apostles' teaching. So that's the word of God. We wanted to be about fellowship, having time to be together in the one another's. We wanted to be about breaking of bread, communion. So we've celebrated communion every week. Praise God. And we wanted to be about prayer. So we added this whole messy prayer time that we do at the beginning of the service. Why? Because that's what the Word tells us to be about. And then here's the the last piece we wanted to be about. We wanted to be about getting out of the way. We wanted to be about just getting out of the Holy Spirit's way and going, rather than trying to orchestrate everything, let's just yeah, yeah, there's supposed to be order in the church, so let's have some structure. But let's be free To go, where's the spirit moving here? Where's the spirit? That's why, because I get that for some people, this idea of, wait a minute, you're not telling me where the groups are, when they meet, what they, no. And I understand that that is a massive mess. And I am a gift of leadership and administration person. I'm not a gift of teaching person. So it completely stresses me out. It does. I just will tell you right now, I am not comfortable with this at all. In my flesh. I am completely comfortable with this in the Spirit. Because what I've learned in these 13, 14 weeks, however long we've been regathering, is when we get out of the way, I walk away from those moments and go, that is not exactly how I saw that going down. But it's so much better. It's so much better. So what is that going to require of you? It's going to require some work. We've been asking you for weeks now to pray about who you might gather with for, for the D groups. It's going to require you reaching out to somebody and going, hey, you want to get together and just walk with us through this. It's going to require, if you don't have anybody, to go, hey, leaders, I really want to be with somebody, but I don't even know anybody in this place, so how can you help me get connected, right? It's going to require the Holy Spirit to work on all of us together is ultimately what it amounts to. And I'm sure that's confusing everybody, and we'll talk more about it next week. And that's okay because we have really loved and embraced this term, the glorious mess, right? Like the glory is him, the mess is us. He's making our mess glorious, but we have to give him an opportunity to do that. So we're just gonna be a messy people that love Jesus. And we're gonna walk with him through the word. Guys, the bottom line is to have the markings of a disciple maker, to have a life that's being lived for, for other, like to, to be making disciples, we have to, one, be in the Word of God, and we have to be in relationship with people, right? And, and, and without that, it can't happen. But we also know that's really hard. So I want you to take a couple of minutes, and the table talk question is this. The gospel is God's story of saving grace through Christ. If you know enough to believe it, you know enough to share it. So so understand that. So, so what what... Daniel outlined, and we talk about it almost every week here, the gospel. The, 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 there's the creation of man, there's our rebellion, there's the redemption found in Christ, and there's his eventual perfect consummation and restoration at the end. Right? That's the gospel story. All through Christ, this whole thing is about Jesus. There's no part of this book that is not about Jesus Christ. There's no plan A in the Old Testament, plan B in the New Testament. It is all about God's story of saving faith in his son, and it started in the very beginning in a garden, right? That's the gospel. If you know that much, you know enough to tell somebody else about that. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Because they don't know if you're smiling at them when you say, hey, can I just tell you about a God in heaven that loves you? Or they're like looking at, you're looking at them with some judgment or something. So I want you to just take a minute at your table and talk about what are some practical obstacles. Because we're going to share, we we need to share those, like at your table and together, whatever it looks like. What are some practical obstacles to sharing your faith in Jesus? Go.
1: all right sounds like some good discussions going on so to that end of that question uh you know enough to believe what are those obstacles that are hindering us from sharing what we believe Uh, who wants to kind of share from their table anyone have a something they want to share that was kind of a theme or an overriding theme that they heard anyone Fear,
0: the fear of man. Fear of man. Anyone
1: else talk about being afraid? Yeah. Anything else that's worth highlighting?
2: Um, hate.
1: Hate. What do you mean? Jonah and Nineveh, like, if you don't like the people, and if God t- like Jonah and Nineveh, if you have
0: a problem with that person and you ask God, hey, who would you have me pray for? And he goes, that guy. And you're like, that
1: guy? Really, that one over there? How come you're sending me? So it's just a hard issue. Who who would say that, that that, isn't it true that some of the most, I've heard it this way, the, the people that need love the most often act out to be the most unlovable, right? We need to love that person, but boy, they are really hard to love. That's true. I heard something over here. Just making time for it making time, maybe prioritizing, making a priority. Yeah. Uh, I think our own pride can get in the way. And if we like pervert the gospel in any way, that's not preaching the good news. So if you get your own pride and you think your word's better than God's word, I think that's a way that we can form an obstacle because his words truth. You mean like maybe we like the sound of our own voice you're saying? Hmm, weird. Yeah, no, that definitely could be it. All right. So those are all really, really good, truthful responses. Um, I'm going to speak to you a little bit about what God's revealed to me on this topic. And I want to just say right off the bat that as a son of Adam, I have no right to speak to you right now. I don't. As a son of Christ, as a son of God, and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that dwells in me, I have every right. And so that's... I hope you understand how I'm speaking to you right now is going to be from the Spirit of Christ, and I want His Spirit to speak through me. So, um, yeah. So, I think all of what you guys said is right on. I'm gonna I'm gonna say th- what God showed me a number of years ago here in America uh, about this topic was really quite intriguing because what it was was that we compartmentalize our lives. Hey, I'm going on a missions trip. You know, and then I'm gonna go be Jesus to these people. But when I go to the gas station, I'm just me. I'm just fueling up my car. But I met some people who challenged me on that. And they're like, What if you were a missionary? What if you changed your mindset? And you say, you know what, I'm going to the gas station and I'm gonna go be Jesus there. And you and you and you looked and you prayed to God for appointments everywhere you went. And that totally revolutionized this whole thing for me. Like, wait, I'm, I'm in a missionary here in America? What? And so that, that was a game changer for me. And so I'll just kind of describe some of the things that, that's played out for me in our family. Um, but first, I just want to get into, I have a note here. Where did I put it? Um, I want to describe what what the bible says a little bit more and just kind of go come in alignment what doug was spelling out through the spirit um in the book of acts we see several spots there's like six different spots where followers are known as followers of the way and so one verse that that highlights this out of out of those six is acts 24 verse 14. it says however i admit that i worship the god of our fathers as a follower of the way which they call a sect, okay? So Jesus in in John 14, six, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one comes to the Father except through me. And we are followers of the way. So I wanna play a little thing, like imagine for a second that Jesus is launching an organization, right? Just pretend for a second that that he was launching this new organization He's the CEO, and he's going to cast the vision, and you're all the new employees. And so this is training, right? And he's going to cast the vision. What would the mission statement be? And, you know, Doug really highlighted, like, what this church's mission statement is, and all of it's spot-on correct. It's, it's exactly it. But the Lord, the whole, I, was, I was asking the Lord, like, well, what, what do you want me to say? And so... Um, <laughs> and I have it here. If you ever have the privilege to look at my notes, it looks crazy. Just so you know, it's like very chaotic. but Somehow it makes sense and it works, okay? Um, so if we look at when Jesus started his ministry, we've got to turn to Luke chapter 4. This is that that moment when he launches the whole thing. Luke four, seventeen through nineteen. So he's he's in he's in the synagogue and he steps forward to the podium, right? And he's about to cast the vision statement. <clears throat> says, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was, hand, was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and to recover sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then it says, and then he, he rolled it up, he gave it back to them, he closed it. Still, that, that was like in the middle of a sentence, by the way. He just stopped out a comma, which is crazy. That's a whole other study. But, <laughs> but he just cast a vision of what the way is going to look like. And we are followers of the way. And so I would challenge you guys to meditate on this. Like, what does it look like to be a follower of the way? It should look something like this we're following him. We don't get to just choose what this thing looks like. He's the CEO. He's the king. And so um, going back now to what the Lord showed me is we just don't really have a good working model of what it looks like in our culture, right? We just— the, the model we have is go to church on Sundays and then we compartmentalize. But what if we had a model that looked like, hey, I'm gonna take Jesus to the gas station with me. I'm gonna take Jesus to the firehouse with me or to the police department. And some of you guys, I'm totally preaching to the choir and I, and I could actually just you know learn a ton from you. So I'm just casting a vision of what it could look like. Another way that we could really b- take advantage of the moments that the Lord gives us every single day. Um, because The reality is, is we don't have an unlimited supply of time. We don't have an unlimited supply of opportunities. And so there's a specific call to action that um, I want to take us to. And um, I got to get back to that page because I put this post-it on that page. There's kind of three things. Um, Riley, my daughter, would you come up here, please? I I want you to help me with this one. Okay, so um, so I have a question that the Lord gave me a few months ago. It's uh, it kind of early when COVID was rolling out. And so um, it's neat because I see um, that question's birthed in our kids. And so I just want to share about what happened last night. We, where did we go last night for a, a treat?
2: To Cold Stone. Cold Stone.
1: So this is now an advertisement for Cold Stone Creamery. You must go there later today, right? All right, and so we were checking out. We were just about done, right? And then um, did you feel like the Holy Spirit led you to say something? Okay, would you share with them what you said? I told the lady who was handing me ice cream that Jesus loved her. Praise God. Good job. Thank you. So, (laughs) oh, Riley, one more thing. How old are you? I'm
2: 12.
1: So simple, even a 12-year-old could do it. (laughs) So this question, this vision that I have in my heart is, uh, and what we've been asking at the gas station or at the grocery store or whenever the Lord presents an opportunity, I've been asking this. And I say, excuse me, am I the first person today to tell you that Jesus loves you? And 100% of the time, I've been the absolute first person to say that to the person. And the dream and the goal for me would be, what if we started saying that so much that they're like, no, actually, someone just said that an hour ago. That would be sweet. So if you like that, it's so simple, even a 12-year-old can do it. You guys, just get over the fear. Get over what it is that's holding you back. It's not a debatable thing. It's not going to cause an argument. It never has gotten into a debate for me, not even once. It's so cool because it's just a question. Am I the first person today to tell you that Jesus loves you? There's no debating that. It's a yes or no. And they got to hear Jesus loves them. So that's that's one call to action. Call to action number two. Oh, I forgot this on the table. Yeah, thanks. Hey, Isaac, will you bring that up? Call to action number two. If you wanted to go like, okay, I'm a missionary in America— then here's the next call to action. The church has Bibles. We'll give these to you for free. We even have made an insert that you can fold in half and then put it at the Gospel of John. And so you, so the, step, the next step would be is, hey, if I gave you a free Bible, would you read 21 chapters of it? Would you read the Gospel of John? This is yours totally free. If I give it to you, would you? But if, they, if they're not willing to, to read it, then I don't give it to them. So all the hard work's been done. My challenge for you, the call to action is, is take us up on this. The Bibles are free. The inserts are done. And it's super cool to know that the, the word of God is going out and we can hear responses. The The website's at the bottom of this thing. So it's not like we're just letting it out there and we never hear back, okay? Challenge number three, call to action number three. Um, what, it, what could you do with COVID and all the things that are going on in this world right now that are restricting us from interacting with people? How is a way that we can get around the mask and the social distancing? And I would venture to say, uh, who will join me for fishing for men on Facebook? Okay, you can digitally fish for people on Facebook and I do it almost every day. I'm fishing for people. And send them private messages and get into conversations and fish for people and act like you don't have every opportunity or every single day or every moment left on this planet. Act like there's, I kind of imagine this shot clock above a, a basketball hoop and it's counting down. And, and that's the motivator that I have. That's, that's one of the motivators I have. I, I, I see Bible prophecy being fulfilled. You guys, we're not promised 10 years from now or 50 years from now or 100 years from now. What we are promised is we can use our voice today. So guys, use your voice It's powerful. It's a great opportunity. Um, Those are my call to actions. And I'm going to introduce one more thing because you guys have been just loaded with resources. On your tables, look to the center. There is a Who is Jesus uh, sheet. So if you look at that, my question to you is, if God gave you a disciple, would you be ready to disciple them? And so to to that end being a disciple maker, one of the things that God showed me early on is I really needed to know who Jesus was. Um, it's not the entirety of what we need to do to be a disciple maker, but I would I'd venture to say that it is the starting point. If you don't know who the right Jesus is, there's a lot of people out there will tell you their version of Jesus, and, and it's not the one that is in this Bible. And so this document um, is designed for you to have a quick reference for you to know who Jesus is. And if you look at it, it has different topics. Uh, and I'm not going to go through this with you. I'm just going to kind of spell it out, right? Um, the first one is "I am," and like one of the most powerful things. People say, "Oh, Jesus never declared himself to be God." Wrong. <laughs> He's 100% God, 100% man. Uh, the voice that that spoke to Moses in the burning bush said, "I am." Tell the children of Israel that I am sent you to me to them, right? And then in John eight fifty-eight and fifty-nine, Jesus says, "Before Abraham existed, I am." totally, totally declared himself to be God. And the Jews knew it. That's why they wanted to stone him. Um, So it it shows him as the I am. It shows him as the Alpha and the Omega. It shows him as uh, worship God alone. Um, You know, um, some people want to pretend that Jesus is an angel. He's not. Uh, Angels don't accept worship. Jesus did accept worship. So it's all laid out there. The power to forgive sins. Jesus is the word. And then there's some salvation scripture. So it's just a resource. What we have done is, for a number of years, we've just taped these on the inside of our Bibles. So if you feel so led to do that, you totally can. It's just a resource. It's just a help. It's just a way for you to be prepared to be able to make disciples. Um, So to that end, that's that's my time. I'm going to just close this out in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this service today. Thank you, Lord, that we get to gather together as the ecclesia, the called-out assembly, um, and to not forsake this time all the more as we see the day approaching. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in us and through us. Lord, may we understand and take advantage of the opportunities you give us every single day, and may we see them as divine appointments. Um, your word says that you have prepared good works for us before the foundations of the earth. May we walk in those good works. May we take advantage of every single moment you've given us. May we live by the spirit and not by the flesh. May your name be exalted and magnified and glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you, brother. Yeah, I think I shared this story a little bit before, but if you don't know Scott, and I would encourage you, like all we're trying to do during this, these few weeks and in the weeks coming, even as we start into Jonah, Lord willing, um, in a couple of weeks, is put resources in your hand to help us as a people just share Christ with a world that's going to hell. And, and if you don't know Scott, like like few men I know, he has a passion for sharing Jesus with people. I've shared the story briefly. We do this canyon trip every couple of years. We did it this last year. So it's been seven years ago on our first one. Freeway shut down as we're leaving town. I'm upset because I'm thinking the whole thing is canceled. Like we're stuck on the, on the side of the hill in Black Canyon. It's 110 degrees. We're in this van. We're like, what are we going to do? Do we cancel the trip? I'm just sitting there pouting. He gets out, and he's like, well, God's got us here for a reason, so somebody must need Jesus. And he starts going around sharing Christ with people, and he leads this brother to Christ. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? Sir? I just received a phone call from a friend
2: from school that said he's going to kill himself. Can we pray for him? Absolutely. What's his name? Nick.
0: Nick. So Taylor just received a phone call from a friend um, who said he's going to commit suicide. So we're going to lift um, Nick up. Nick, right? Nick, up to the throne of grace. Father, I just come to you right now. Um, first, I want to thank you for Taylor and his, and his first flinch is let's pray. Um, and Lord, it's because prayer is powerful, that we have an audience with the king. Um, Lord, that, that you tell us that, that our prayers are sweet incense to you, even prayers of desperate pleas. So Lord, I want to pray right now for Nick. God, I want to pray in the name of Jesus Christ uh, that, that you would command your angels right now concerning him to guard him even from himself. Lord, that, that, that there would be an amazing testimony to tell that we would see Nick someday walk in these doors and say that that what started my journey with Jesus was this cry for, de- for desperate help. Lord, there is no heart that is beyond your reach. There is no situation that is beyond your control. Lord, I pray that you would do a mighty work in Nick's life. Lord, I want to pray specifically for Taylor, um, for Farron, for those who have an opportunity to speak words of grace and truth, words of life into this brother. Lord, I pray um, that you would save him. God, save him from him. Lord, and I pray this, believing you can and and believing you will. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Thank you, you. brother. Thank you. Thank you very much, Taylor, for that. that um, yeah, there is nothing better to be doing with our time than that. So keep Nick in your prayers. and. Um, so we're going to go into communion with my last point. So it goes quickly. Um, but it says, how. so the question we're looking at today is, how is your life marked? By you being a disciple maker. And the first thing was talking about how is our... Is our are, we, are we making our life stand for the truth? Preach the word. Are we standing on the word of God? Are we, are we remembering that Christ is the word of God? And the last thing is marked by living for something bigger. And it's the last four verses of the passage that you read this morning in your daily readings. It just says this. But you... I'm in verse 5 of 2 Timothy 4. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. What Scott just shared. Fulfill your ministry, for I am already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who love his appearing. Do you I remember where Paul was when he wrote that? Chained to a floor, by himself, feeling like he was deserted by all, and, and yet he never wavered in his belief that what, what God started in him, he was going to finish. And that what was laid up for him in heaven was a, was a crown of righteousness that he couldn't even comprehend. Right, the, Part of the problem in our culture today, part of why we're not living for something bigger and it's what I confess, even in why I don't share my faith more, is our gospel has, been a, has become a gospel about comfort. Personal comfort. And what I mean is our, li- our life of living out the gospel has become a gospel of comfort. Comfort is an idol in America. And you say, well, wait a minute, I don't feel very comfortable. I've been through some hard times. I've been, my life is crazy busy. It's not exactly what I had dreamed or planned. Guys, don't confuse busyness and burden with being on God's mission. Right? We can be really busy and burdened and stressed out and not feel comfortable and be far from following God's mission because what we're doing is we're we're trying, we're pursuing comfort in ways that are creating the burden and the busyness. What we've got to get back to is just the simplicity of sitting at the feet of Christ. And so that's why back to the D group stuff. That's why that's why on your tables there is um, a, there are a couple of copies of a booklet that it's called the Marks. Um, I'm sorry, it's called the Master Plan of Multiplication. It's a little booklet I put together. It has a little introduction to each section, talking about how do we walk along with Jesus. How do we to to use Scott's idea of like what was Jesus's model for his organization? Well, we have some books on the back table. They're called and this this. This booklet that I made is based on a book. It was written 60 years ago by Robert Coleman. It's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And what it does is it just walks through how did Jesus make disciples and why did it matter so much to him? So I want to encourage you guys to pick up one of these. We have more copies coming next week. And for you guys as a family to do this together, but to take, take some time to let it flavor how you see yourself fulfilling the mission of Christ it has some questions in here that'll just kind of walk you through what is the mission. Because I, I get that, get, get, please don't hear what, I'm, what we're saying today, what we're saying next week. What you're going to be hearing is, now you're asking me to do one more thing in a life that's I'm already exhausted. Like if there's a word that I think describes most of us today, it is, we're just worn out. Because the season we've been in has just been emotionally exhausting. Don't see this as one more thing to do. Ask yourself the question, how can I make Christ the focus of what I'm already doing? Right? That's what, what it looks like to live on mission for Christ. Right? Hebrews chapter 12 starts out with, Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, meaning all these people who were on mission for God, how, let's lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us, the busyness, the burdens, the self-comfort that we're trying to fulfill. Let's lay that aside and let's run with endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, enduring the shame. Guys, if he was willing to endure the shame of potentially, we don't know, but being naked on a cross crucified in front of his mom. And he knew it was coming. And he did it anyway. If he's willing to do that, why am I not willing to share Christ with the guy at a gas station? Because I'm afraid of what he's going to think of me. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's what we have to be doing. Guys, we are all being discipled and discipling people. We don't even know it. Everybody in this room is being discipled by someone or something. The question is, what are you fixing your eyes on? Because what you're fixing your eyes on is what you're being discipled by. Right? What is at the finish line of your race? Who is at the finish line of the race that the Lord has set before you? Right? As the music team comes up and um, the people that are serving communion take the trays around to the table and they can start doing that now, guys, remember, we are, this is a story God is telling. We are all in the story. We are all somewhere between A slave in Egypt or a wilderness wandering on our way to the promised land? Like, what—who's at the center of your story? Is it you? Is it your family? Like, we can can pursue unhealthy things even when we're pursuing good stuff. Provision and protection for my family is not a bad thing. But if I put it in front of Christ— my family has now become an idol. We need, to, we need to remember, guys, communion like no other time in our service reminds us that Christ gets that this mission is hard. He does. He gets that, the, that this road is not easy. Right? What, what you're taking out and you're taking those cups and we're gonna take communion together here in just a minute, but, but what you're taking there should remind you that he gets fatigue. He understands being weary. Right, he, he completely realizes how hard it is to be rejected, to be abandoned. And yet he never stands like this, never. No matter what you've been doing, no matter where you think you've been running, the people that you're trying to engage with, no matter what they're... Like, when, if they turn to Christ, if you turn to Christ, you will always find him like this. Always. This is who he is. Because do you know that the one time in Scripture that Jesus describes his own heart, he doesn't say, I am almighty and sovereign. He doesn't even say, I am completely gracious and loving. He says, my heart is gentle and humble. That's this. He's saying, just come. So let me pray, and then we'll enter into communion. Father, I just thank you, Lord, um, for—I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the truth that you haven't left us here alone, that your Holy Spirit indwells us. It it enlightens and inspires our eyes to see what your word really says. I thank you for the truth that your cross proves the sufficiency of your grace, and it does so because you rose again. So, Lord, as we respond to you in song and in, 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 hang, in taking our junk to the cross and in communion, Lord, I, pr- I want to pray that, that, that we would remember that you always respond to us. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. My.
0: take the cup that has the bread. And, um, you can take the bread and put it in your hand if, if that's okay. And, um, you might be sitting here today and, and you're thinking to yourself, Kevin, hey, Doug, you just don't get it. Like, you don't get how worn out I am. You don't get how alone I feel, even in a house full of people. You don't get how much I've been hurt by people. Why would I risk that? I don't have to get it. Right? Because he does. Because when he was nailed to a cross, for the one time in his eternal existence, he cried out to his father, my God, my God why have you forsaken me? And he gets what, whatever you're feeling, he gets it. And he let himself be broken to prove it. So take his body, broken for you. You say, yeah, but this this mission is hard. Right? The, the, our, I mean, our the question is, are, are, we ready, are we ready to really embrace the call to follow Christ? It's not a call for comfort. Right? The call to follow Christ is a call to be conformed into his image, and that is painful. How do we know? As Paul showed us today. How do we know? Because the cross proves it. Right? Why would we expect less? When he's in the garden, he's dripping blood because he knows... He knows how hard this is going to be, and yet he says, not my will, but your will be done. And then when he's on the cross, he says the best words any of us can ever hear. So take the cup, and remember these words as you take the cup. It is finished. Take the cup together. So Lord, we thank you for the sweetness of that grace. We thank you that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have just partaken of what grace lived like. It's a life given, it's a body broken, it is blood shed, it is scars on your hands and feet. Why? Because for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. But in that same joy, is set before us as your people in Christ. So let us be supernaturally joy-filled. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Would you guys stand and join us in our last song?
2: The Lord We wait upon the Lord, we wait upon the Lord, we wait upon the Lord. St. Huras as we wait upon the Lord, we wait upon the Lord, we wait upon the Lord, our God. You reign forever our hope, our strong team.
3: We're still meeting here through the end of september and we're gonna be in need of a place uh to just have the ability to have full control so please be praying for that that god would move to put a building like this on the land that we already own be sure you uh you get your d group reading plan for our fall groups and pray about how you who you want in a group that you can start uh september 7th are you serving Jesus by serving his bride? We need help in the areas of like the video, visual stuff. So if that's something that you're interested in, running the s- screen, I guess, and then setting up, we really need help in that stuff too. Um, let Jeff Avney or dad, Doug, know. Um, next week, the mission of the church, our church and your family, and the sending passage is therefore Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Have a great week, you guys.